Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. That looks at life, an optimist, it's half full. Why would they do that? Because there's still water in the glass. I can drink. There is for the other person. But they see nothing but empty. Now, let me share with you something. Optimism is the belief that ultimately good prevails over evil. It's a tendency to look at life, if we're optimistic, and the future with hope. So, are you a glass half empty or a glass half full kind of person? Jesus certainly seemed to be in the first group. For many of us, life experiences may have caused us to tend to think the way of the second group. Pastor Mark is teaching that as followers of Christ, we need to align our thinking to Jesus. Even though we may have had terrible happenings or personalities that cause us to resist a sunshine and lollipops outlook on life, The truth is that Jesus has come to give us abundant life. We need to embrace that truth and ask the Holy Spirit to remake us to be more like Christ. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Peter chapter 3 with part 2 of his message, How to Do Life Regardless of Circumstances. There's another one that's good. Look at Proverbs 13, 3. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin anything. Anybody understand that last line? How many of you have said something with, that was stupid. How many have ever, you finished an email, somebody's wrote you, and you wrote him an email back. And you went, and you get on the phone, you're at work. Is the IT department open? How, how can I capture an email I just sent without them getting it? Oh, there's no way. Am I hitting home with anybody out there? I'm hitting home with everybody out there. Look at this. Let me listen, listen to Benjamin Franklin. A slip of the foot, you can soon recover. But a slip of the tongue, you may never get over. See, our words are powerful. There's life and death in our words. And the tongue is part of that. It's a major influence. Now, the Bible tells us that the tongue isn't really the problem. The tongue is connected to the heart, not a physical heart, the real, the center of us. In fact, the scripture says, out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. So our words reveal what we said in our hearts. Our tongues give us away. Now, I can't control my tongue, but I can let God control my heart. Here's what I want you to write down. 
We are to guard our hearts and our tongues and we're to watch our words. See, if words become angry, bitter, hard-hearted in relationships and whatever, that affects us with long life. Many people have all kinds of diseases because their sin, unforgiveness, hard heart in their lives. See, our body functions together. Our emotions have a lot to do with our health. And you will never enjoy life, no matter how many times you're healthy and you're running and everything's good, your perfect way. But if there's bitterness and anger and all those kind of things in our hearts, then we never enjoy it. If they pass in front of you, it just gets us going. It's horrible. And the Bible is very, very wise. Now, there's one other thing that I want to talk to you about. As you and I think about life, you and I cannot be negative, critical, complaining people. Don't judge. Realistically, unless we see some outward really big sin, I can't judge your heart and you can't judge my heart. Now, God can. That's not my role. That's God's role. Now, if I'm a critical, negative, complaining person, it looks like this. And here, I'll just tell you. If you're an optimist, you see the glass half full. If you're more of a pessimist, you see the glass half empty. That's your focus. You say, well, Pastor Mike, that's who I am. That's who my parents were. And I inherited it. And I'm going to be that to the end of my life. No, that's just a lousy excuse. Because we choose what to be. Now, notice, the person that looks at life, an optimist, it's half full. Why would they do that? Because there's still water in the glass. I can drink. There is for the other person. But they see nothing but empty. Now, let me share with you something. Optimism is the belief that ultimately, good prevails over evil. It's a tendency to look at life, if we're optimistic, and the future with hope. I want to share something with you. The Bible, God, and Jesus are all optimistic. Are all optimistic. You see, let me share with you why. Jesus was optimistic about the church, his followers, about us. So here's why you and I Regardless of the circumstances, we have to fight the negative, the pessimism. All we talk about is something's wrong. Realistic, if you're around the person and most of the time all they're talking about something is wrong, guess what? You don't want to be around them very much. You know why? Because they're an influence on us. Because my own sin nature is wrong, no good, no good. Some of you were raised in church like that. Remember, remember the church you were raised in? No, 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 no. Praise God, what a free religion. And you know what? You left. Because the Bible isn't, no, 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 no. Plenty of yeses. Plenty of yeses. Now, I want to show you, and I hope you can say amen as I read these. Let me show you why you should be positive. That eventually, good ultimately prevails over evil. Here it is, number one. I should be optimistic because... Jesus stated that his church will never fail. Okay, three amens. Are you in church today? Are you in church today? Hello? Are you in the church of Christ today? Yes. This is the church that God built. 
all over the world. It's not about Calvary Chapel or whatever. We're in a church where there's believers. Amen? This is a church. Will this church ever fail? Will God's church ever fail? How can you be optimistic about that? Because it's the truth. See, Jesus is going, let me see if I can get him laughing a little bit. Well, the church will never fail. No, it doesn't matter what. By the way, is our world getting better or worse? Against the church? Yes. Will it continue to get worse? But the church of Jesus Christ will never fail. See, I can be optimistic. I can, well, I'm not going to go to that church. It's never going to make it. Oh, no, 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 no. You're wrong. You're wrong. Number two. Here we go. Jesus stated that his followers would change the world. Who is his followers? Raise your hand with me this morning. Good. If you don't have your hand up, I got an altar call for you at the end. No problem. See, two people stopped to me today at the end of the first service. They both invited people that had never been to church before. Well, that's what we do. We invite people to church to hear the powerful word of God. Not a speaker has nothing to do with me. It's the powerful word of God. It changes empty hearts to desire to have hope. Number three, Jesus stated that he's at work in every single person I'm looking at. Every single one of us. And he will finish what he started. Does that apply to you? Yes, it does. He will finish. You have to work with him, but he will finish what is started. How could I not be optimistic? Of course. And the last one is this. Jesus has hope for us here and now. While we're doing this life and in the future. You're going to see this morning there's hope for you right here in this world. But we're going to heaven. Amen. And we get there, everything will be perfect. Now let me show you why it's different. Why we are different? Because we're the only people that have living hope. See, when Jesus, you sang the song this morning. When Jesus came out of the grave, he was living. He was resurrected. That is the same thing that's going to happen to you and I after we're dead. We're going to be raised by the power that raised Jesus Christ. So the only people that have living hope, and hope is not like the world, you know, Like I joked with you before, I hope Miami wins another game the rest of the year. Probably not. And some of you, I hope this diet works for me. Probably not, because it's the 43rd diet you've tried. Now, that's what hope means to the world. Hope for us is expectation. It's going to happen. It's going to. Heaven is going to happen. And if you're a Christian, you're going to be there. Guaranteed, it's going to happen. Every other person has no living hope. They're living just for this world. As Solomon said, it's like chasing the wind. I hate, I dread this life. Now, they won't often share that with you, but that's what's happening inside because they're empty. They have no purpose. Now, would you just smile at your neighbor this morning? And by the way, they are people. I'll remind you that again. And just say to them this, the best is yet to come. Come on, turn to them with a little smile this morning. Come on. The best is yet, come on, to come. So our words should be life-giving, positive, and encouraging. 
every single one of us like encouraging words. We like people to say something to us. You know, when I leave and my wife's get ready for church and we had a Pastor Elder retreat this weekend and she was there, I just said, honey, you look really good today. That's better than, why are you wearing that? See, we've been married 51 years. Miss, you're stupid. You learned some really good things. But all of us love to be encouraged, right? Instead of torn down. Look what, look what Paul says to the church at Thessalonica. Therefore, encourage one another. Here we are again. This is in the church. Encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Wow. That's fantastic. One day, the writer of Hebrews challenges us. Let me read it to you. Hebrews 10. Let's not give up meeting together. Talking about coming together for church. As some are in the habit of doing. Now, this is 2,000 years ago. So some people got out of the habit of coming to church. And Paul's writing to that church. No, 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 no. You need to be together. Because that's where you encourage one another. You're encouraged with worship. You're encouraged with the word. Do you know this morning that by and large, not exact, but close, in the United States, the average person that goes to church goes to church now every two to three to four weeks. More like every third or every fourth week. Well, what do they do in the other weeks? They don't need it. The cares of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word. But what does Paul say, the writer of the Hebrews? He says, make sure you get together on a regular basis. Let me finish it. But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the end time coming. The closer we get to the rapture, the coming of Jesus Christ after the seven years of tribulation, the more frequent we should be what? Together. Because we need to be encouraged. Because Satan likes to separate. God likes to unite. So let me just challenge you. It's not about trying attendance. Well, what can I do? has nothing to do with attendance. It has to do with your spiritual walk with God. We need to be together so we can encourage one another. Do you understand why we're here? Let me just challenge you with something. Why in the world are we here? Well, we're here because I'm trying to encourage you. All of our pastors, when we teach the word of God, we're trying to encourage you. Now, sometimes we have to challenge you a little bit with, as I'm doing today, hard stuff. But we're here to encourage you because we all need it. We don't want to be torn down. We just want to encourage you. And I'm just saying to you, thank you for being a joyful, graceful, encouraging family. It's just a joy for our pastors to speak to you. Because we're just like you. We go through the very same things. You need to understand that. Now he moves away and gives us a couple more things that we can do. Look at verse 11. They must turn from evil. If I'm going to have a good long life, and I love it, I must turn from evil and do good. And they must seek peace. And pursue it. Here it is. We're to defeat temptation by turning away from evil and then do good. You see, it's not enough to defeat temptation and just do nothing. I have to turn away from that which is Satan's trying to tempt me and then turn over here to do something 
good. And then second, this is very interesting. I'm not just to look for peace. I'm to pursue peace. You see, if there's unity, there's going to be peace. There has to be peace. I have to pursue peace and not be the person that's always stirring something. Well, I like that sermon, Pastor Mark, with that three, third point there. I don't really care for it too much. Well, you can say that to me. That's not going to offend me at all. If I'm teaching the word of God, that's okay. Now, hopefully, I didn't say it in a bad way. I just try to encourage you. But understand, this teaching is hard. Now, look what comes next. This is amazing to me. When we do right, what does God do? Look at your verse right there in front of you. By the way, if lots of you don't have a Bible in front of you, you must be now sick and tired of looking at me. My dog won't even look at me this long. I'm trying to say this to you. You need a Bible. You need to have a Bible open. Because you can go to lots of churches, and they're going to teach you, and they're not teaching what's in the Bible. Satan's a great deceiver, and it's going to get more and more and more. I'm challenging you. If you were in a class in college, and it was a class on science, and you never opened the book, I guarantee you failed. I'm not giving you an open book test. You need to have it in front of you. I'm challenging you. Teach your children from you at home that the Bible's open. You're an influence, and you're influencing people. I'm not trying to condemn people. I didn't ask you, how many have a Bible? How many look at How many are not stand up, please? I didn't do that at all. But I want to challenge you. If you don't know the word of God, you have no way to idea the person that's teaching you is teaching the word of God. You got it? Okay, now, off of that, move on. Those of you who don't love me, just hold on. I'll get there. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Look at verse 12. And his ears are attentive to those to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So when I do right, God watches over me and he hears my prayer. Now, understand, remember our focus. How to love regardless of the circumstances we're going through. How to love life regardless of those. I already told you, it's hard. Look at verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? What Peter's saying is, Normally in life, even though this world is crazy, most people won't mistreat us because we're doing good. No, they're just going to leave us alone. They could care less. But look at verse 14. But even if you should suffer for doing what is right, in other words, it's going to happen. I'm going to suffer for doing good. You are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. So Peter says to all of us that are Christians in our families, it's going to happen. All of us are going to suffer persecution, false accusations, trials. All of us, believers and unbelievers. Many people think like, well, unbelievers don't go through difficult things like believers do. Are you kidding? See, if that was true, guess who would only be in hospitals? Christians. But everybody's in hospitals. Everybody has divorces. Everybody loses their jobs. That's just the way our world is. Never designed by God that way. But that's the way Satan will. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. But we're different. We're going to go through that. But our reaction is different. Let me show you this verse from Jesus. This is where I talked about the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to live different, not better. Here it is. Look at Matthew. Blessed is a word that means happy. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus wrote this. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who went before you. Now, if you look at the verse 10 and 11, how many go, Pastor Mark, I love that. Man, when I'm persecuted because I'm doing right, man, that's fantastic. When people insult me because I'm doing right, praise God, that's my normal way to react. I don't think so. That's where we're trying to go to. Jesus is trying to say, and understand, when this happens to you, and it will, you have to learn to react differently. Because, and you'll see in a moment, the world is watching. How do you go through that sickness? You mean your child was born, a special needs child, and you're not angry and bitter at God? When your spouse walked out, how did you handle that? Well, I can handle it, but God can handle it through me. And he can minister to me to live simply different, react different than the world. Now, understand that. I want you to go back to this verse. I want you to put that back up right at the end again. Look at verse 11. And say all kinds of evil against you. Because of who? Because of Jesus. See, if people persecute you because you're stupid, that's your problem. But what Jesus is saying is, notice, they say all kinds of evil things against you because you're a Christian. Do you know what divides the world? But God doesn't divide the world. Jesus divides the world. Because he's the way, he's the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. See, that's very narrow. That's a narrow road, but that's the only road that gets you to heaven. So we will be persecuted. It's going to happen more and more in our churches, in our individual lives, because of Jesus Christ. That's okay. We can make through. Here's what Jesus is saying at the end. By the way, Peter knew this. He was persecuted over and over. Paul was persecuted over and over. We have missionaries all over the world, and I'll give you a story a little later about the same kind of thing. Now, look at this. Write this down this morning. Christ followers will be blessed even when persecuted because we have living hope. Remember the last part of rejoice and be glad because your reward is in heaven. We're going there. It's going to be fine. It's going to be good. Remember, living hope, confident expectation to anticipate the future with pleasure. It's going to happen. Now, here's the issue. When I'm living different with trials and tribulations and persecutions and all kinds of stuff coming to my not perfect because we all struggle with it, but when I'm living differently, the world is looking. Well, now that we've heard today's teaching from Pastor Mark, we may have a challenge before us. We know that Jesus came to live abundant life and that Satan only wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. It's time for us to look honestly at our lives and decide whom it is we want to follow. If we're going to follow Jesus, we need to set aside the past and look only toward him. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, we'll complete Pastor Mark's teaching, How to Do Life Regardless of Circumstances. He'll talk about the blessings that await us as we align our behavior and thinking with Jesus. We will learn that being a Christ follower doesn't guarantee a stress-free life. What it offers is a way to successfully cope with the inevitable ups and downs of life. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Living Life with Living Hope. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurting world a new hope he is given